This is Laura from the Peaceful Life Podcast, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. And now it's time for our feature presentation. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 214, Celebrities We've Met. I'm Chris McBride, along with Derek Myers, and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Now, this week, we're talking about celebrities that we've met. And who better to share some celebrity encounters with us than our old friend, Greg Martin. So, Greg, welcome back to the show. Are you ready to spill, spill the beans on some of your celebrity encounters with us? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this. I think it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of uh, interesting encounters, a lot of... Uh, funny stories so i'm looking forward to that and uh, before i go any further i just want to give a big shout out to your uh, fan base out in ghana i know uh, <laughs> no, i know you're i know you're huge down there i looked it up and i was i was disappointed because i was like oh man imagine if you lived in ghana if they were i thought they were called ghanaians which i thought would have been hilarious but they're, they're, they're called uh, ghanians but uh amazingly i'm like you guys really need to merchandise t-shirts uh for this like have a pop goes your world shirt and then on the front it says we're gonna we're gonna rock your world and then on the back have a big number five <laughs> i think we're onto something here we're onto something yes absolutely you guys need to have a merch section on your website yeah and we will ship to ghana so we do that yeah. now derek uh, before we get into this week's topic uh, anything new in the world of pop culture for you my friend Hey, Chris. Yeah. Well, of course, you know that I've got at least a few things to talk about. Yes. Um, nothing, uh, nothing terribly new. A lot of older stuff this week, but oh, uh, I mean, some really older in your wheelhouse, some nice. older, but not quite in your wheelhouse. So we'll start with something that's sort of right on the cusp of too old for you. 1988, Arnold Schwarzenegger and the lesser talented Belushi brothers starred in Red Heat. Oh, God. Oh. When was the last time you saw Red Heat? I've never seen Red Heat. Okay, Greg, what about you? Uh, last time I saw Red Heat literally was in the theater. <laughs> in I'm, the I'm theater gonna, in I'm, I'm going to say 89. Was that when it came out? 88. So, yeah, probably around there. Yeah, around yeah. there. I, I went to see it because in Ontario, where I was living at the time, it, you had to be 18 and over to go see it. But we were moving to Quebec. And so when we went to Quebec to go look for a new house... In Quebec, you only have to be 14 uh, to see it in Quebec. So I'm like, well, I, I got to go see it, man. If it's 18 in Ontario, it must be good. And, uh, yeah, no, I was wrong. It was terrible. Yeah, it's, it, uh, it, you know, I watched it with the nostalgia goggles on, and it was still not very good. Uh, the highlight was the end where there was two Greyhound. There was a high-speed car chase, but it was two Greyhound buses, and it ended up with one of the buses flipping over and the other one getting hit by a passenger train. So... Yeah, that's that's uh, probably a good summary of that movie. Don't waste your time. It does not hold up. There are 20 better Schwarzenegger movies to see. Um, and uh, definitely better Belushi movies. Just watch the ones by the good Belushi. Uh, a slightly newer but still fairly old movie from 2005, 
Kingdom of Heaven, directed by Ridley Scott. Chris, have you heard of it? I seem to recall that you had mentioned this had something to do with the Alien franchise. Is that correct? No, that is absolutely not correct. Because I thought thought we talked about Alien and then you were like, oh, then he was going to do a sequel. He did one sequel that has a weird name or something. So I don't know what it is. That was Prometheus. Oh, Prometheus. Kingdom of Heaven. Greg, you seen Kingdom of Heaven? No, I know you guys love Ridley Scott on this show, but man, I, I don't love him to the same level that you guys do. I do not know anything about this one. Fair enough. So it came out in 2005. It is um, about the story of um, the, the English and the French going to Jerusalem, and they have taken Jerusalem from the Muslims, and, and the, the movie ends with this big battle where the Muslims basically retake Jerusalem. It's very loosely based on real life. Uh, but you got to think this was, I think it said it was took place in 1185. So, you know, history is written by the victors. So even any sort of records that are from that time period are probably a little sketchy at best. So there's a lot of um, artistic license taken with how some of the storytelling comes together. But the cast is phenomenal. Um, the uh, The main character is Orlando Bloom, who I'm sort of hot and cold on. I mean, when he's good, he can be really good, but he was, he was pretty decent in this. But um, Liam Neeson's got a pretty big part. And, um, of course, half the names are blanking. Um, Edward Norton plays a king with leprosy. So you only get to hear his voice because the king is wearing a mask because his face is all mangled. Um, But it's this huge cast, like a lot of people in very small parts and um, very well done, very well acted. Chris, you'd like that there's a lot of practical effects. Like there's this big siege battle at the end where the the Muslims take on – Um, uh, like they basically assault the city of Jerusalem using siege weapons to destroy the walls. And like the majority of that looks like it was done with practical effects. And even Kay said to me, she turned to me and she said, wow, you really appreciate the special effects that are practical effects when they're done this well. So it was, uh, it was good. The problem was the movie's long. It's like, I think the original cut is two and a half hours. And we were watching the director's cut was like three hours and 10 minutes, but if if that sort of period piece, the the knights and stabbing and fighting and and political backstabbing sort of thing is your bag, give it a try. It sort of reminded me of the same kind of things like season one of Game of Thrones. Uh, again, probably not as good. I thought Game of Thrones was a lot better, but uh, it was decent, worth a look. Um, on something a little lighter, a little more fun, we are now experiencing. Uh, we just passed the 40th anniversary of the debut of the G.I. Joe animated cartoon that debuted in 1982. Yo, Joe. Yo, Joe, knowing is half the battle. And I know this was one of my absolute favorite cartoons growing up. It was on every day after school. I couldn't wait to watch it. And it was really just a 30-minute commercial for G.I. Joe toys, which, of course, my parents ended up buying us as, you know, if not every toy, a lot of them. And G.I. Joe was certainly one of my favorite toys growing up. The cartoon was certainly one of my favorite cartoons growing up. Every single episode that ever aired is available for free on YouTube and has been for a couple of years now. So I've seen a lot of ads in my social media feed from people saying, hey, it's the 40th anniversary. And if you haven't watched this in a while, you should give it a go. And I've sort of I went back and started watching some of the episodes and some of them are actually really good. So if you're like us and you like nostalgia and you did grow up and you're, you know, in the 80s. Give it a look. It's, they're all available on YouTube. And uh, I mean, not every episode is is a winner, but there's quite a few that are quite good, especially they used to do these uh, five episode miniseries every season to debut like the new toy line and stuff. Those ones are always really good. And then finally, I have a documentary. 
For 40 days and 40 nights, he watches documentaries. He likes to learn about the world. It's Derek's Documentaries. Derek's Documentaries. Greg, when you come on the show here, you, you get serenaded. Oh, yeah, I know. I love it. You yeah. know, I, I enjoy that documentary song. It's one of my favorite ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the documentary I watched, I think I sort of teased this last week because I started watching it the day we were recording last week, but I didn't finish it. So I thought oh, I'll just sit, carry it over for this week. So it's on Netflix. It's brand new. Just dropped. It's called Trust No One, The Hunt for the Crypto King. And it's the story of a Canadian gentleman who, uh, in the height of the cryptocurrency thing, like about 10, 15 years ago, he created this online brokerage where you could trade Bitcoins. And it turns out it was a complete scam. He was just stealing people's money. But it took years before it sort of came to light that he was ripping people off. And when people started to realize, hey, where's my money? He died under mysterious circumstances in a foreign country where a foreign doctor performed an autopsy and and declared him dead. And so, of course, the conspiracy people on the Internet are like going bananas because they're like, hey, where's my hundred ninety million dollars? Oh, I don't know. He died. And because nobody knew the password to the cryptocurrency, it's gone forever. And people are like, hmm, that seems a little suspicious. So it's it's, uh, you know, the first half of the documentary is just setting it up this is who he is this is the service he offers this is what he does this was the the political climate and the financial climate at the time except sets it up and then about halfway they're like okay and then he dies and then the second half is all the conspiracies that came out of it to try and figure out like where's the money and how did he die and maybe he's not really dead maybe he's in hiding well what about his wife well she's been doing some weird things okay but maybe not well what about and it's just this craziness and what i liked the most was they don't have an answer. It was, they're still trying to figure out what happened and they try and present so many of these different options as all being plausible. So by the end of it, you have to ask yourself, well, what do I think actually happened? And I guess there really is no right or wrong answer because they haven't figured it out yet. Uh, I mean, it's terrible for the people that lost all this money, but at the same time, it was highly entertaining. So check it out. It's called Trust No One. It's on Netflix. It's about Bitcoin. I think the the poster for the movie that shows up is just a giant Bitcoin symbol. Um, so if you see that come through, I think it was only about 90 minutes, so it didn't run too long. So those are the ones I was into this week. Nice. Greg, anything uh, new in pop culture for you this past week? Yeah, uh, I've actually had a, a lot of free time uh, the last couple of weeks because I've been uh, home by myself. So I've been uh, catching up on uh, a lot of uh, TV that I normally haven't been able to watch because uh, normally uh, my girlfriend monopolizes my TV time at night. So a lot of it is 90 Day Fiance and Below Deck, whatever. So uh, no, no judgment, no judgment. Yeah, no judgment, man. No judgment. Thank you. I appreciate that. But uh, one of the shows I really wanted to watch was um, Mike Judge, who uh, he does Beavis and Butthead and he does King of the Hill. And uh, he, of course, did Office Space. Office Space. Yes. Yep. And uh, while we're while we're on the subject of celebrity encounters, I'll be quick on this. Uh, when I worked at uh, my my job at the Hockey Hall of Fame, I got to serve uh, the guy who played Bill Lumberg in Office Space. Uh, uh, Peter, what's happening? Uh, I got to serve that guy. So uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So there's my Office Space reference. Cool. But uh, Mike Judge does a show called uh, Tales from the Bus. And well, Tales from the Tour Bus. And he uh, talks about uh, famous musicians who've had crazy, out-of-this-world, uh, insane stories uh, that happened both on and off stage. 
And rather than just having somebody sit in the studio and film them, uh, they tell their story, but he puts an animated um, uh, story behind it. So it makes it far more entertaining because the animated story sort of gives you an idea of what's happening. Uh, the first season that was on was a lot of older country uh, type folks. So you had like uh, Johnny Paycheck who did uh, Take This Job and Shove It. And uh, Waylon Jennings had two episodes because his life was pretty crazy. And uh, Jerry Lee Lewis was on one and it was uh, really out there. But the second season that he did was all about funk. And uh, one of the things is that I'm a big metal guy, but I do love a good time funk uh, kind of song. And uh, two of the guys he talked about that I really, really enjoyed was uh, George Clinton and uh, Bootsy Collins. And they went on to form Parliament. And uh, when I was uh, like you, I was in Windsor, uh, living in Windsor, but I worked at a radio station that uh, was dedicated to Detroit. And so they're big on local Detroit uh, scene and local Detroit talent and stuff. And so I really got to, to, to learn about and know about George Clinton and Bootsy Collins. So uh, to be able to see their stories told and animation and the wild, crazy acid trips that they went on and the, the things that happened was sensational. Of course, he did uh, two episodes about Rick James. And uh, we learned how you remember Rick James did that song with Eddie Murphy. My girl wants to party all the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. That ter- terrible song. Terrible song. And it came about only because Rick James and Eddie Murphy were hanging out at his at Rick James's house in Buffalo. And there was a huge snowstorm. And so they got snowed in for three days. And out of uh, boredom and uh, drugs, Eddie Murphy went in the studio and recorded My Girl Wants to Party all the time off the top of his head. And they wow. kept it. Yeah. And uh, the amazing other thing I learned was that Rick James, to escape the Vietnam War, came to Toronto and was in a band with Neil Young. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. I had no idea. See, this and is then, why we uh, watch documentaries, dude. We learn stuff. We learned I had no idea. I didn't think Rick James was, A, I didn't even know Rick James was from Buffalo. And B, I was like, that's an amazing story. But then they also did one about Moore's Day in the Time, uh, nice. Jungle Love, from Purple oh, nice. Rain. Yeah. Love that song. And then he did a, an episode about James Brown. Uh, which was uh, great too, because uh, I still love that story where he just went absolutely nuts because someone used his toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. Uh, and then also I had time to read uh, these past couple of weeks too, and I finally got through uh, the lead singer of Judas Priest, uh, Rob Halford, uh, put out a book called Confess, and it's a story about. It's not about Judas Priest; it's about himself. And uh, anybody who kind of knows his story was that. He was secretly gay for many, many years, and he was afraid to come out and let anybody know because he was worried that it would kill the band and the reputation. And so, he, you know, he had to go about being gay very secretly, very privately, and inside it was it was killing him. He was an alcoholic. He was a drug addict. And, uh, you know, then the band started realizing he was gay, but they— you know, they didn't want anybody to know again, so he still had to continue hiding his secret. And then finally, you know, he, he got the courage, he came out, and he was worried his career was going to be over because of his announcement. And it turned out that uh, Judas Priest ended up having a second win and, uh, you know, uh, got even more popular than they were before uh, at the height of their career, and they still continue to play today. So uh, it's a great story if you enjoy Judas Priest. But if you're not into heavy metal or you're not into Judas Priest, 
you're really not going to enjoy the story. And if you're not a big fan of uh, wanting to, you know, learn about Rob Halford uh, and you're just wanting to find out more about Judas Priest again, you're not going to enjoy it. It's not really a Judas Priest story. It's a Rob Halford story. But uh, I didn't mind it. I thought it was really good. I thought it was a good read. But again, it's 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 dedicated to a certain type of audience. I remember like I used to like heavy metal a lot, you know, back in the 80s and stuff. And I remember when all that stuff came out with Rob Halford back then, you know, it was something that you just kept quiet. But it was also like, you know, it, it would it would besmirch the band in some way, you yep. know, especially being heavy metal because you had to be like so tough and hard. Meanwhile, so many heavy metal bands in the 80s, they wore like long hair and makeup and everything like that. I mean, come on, really? <laughs> you look back on it, it's kind of crazy. But uh, okay, so for me, I got a couple of things for you. My wife and I are still trying to find a new show to binge watch. And I tried watching Inventing Anna on Netflix, but it's it's oh, yeah. totally miscast. It's a mess. And then Yellowstone. I mentioned uh, last week, I think I, I started watching that. And, and I, I, I watched one episode, didn't like. I, I tried watching one more episode. And in keeping with the whole Western cowboy motif for the show, that show... Jeez! It's wow! Tell us, tell us how you really feel, Chris. It's so bad. Hey, you know, you were talking about the little blurbs that they had in the movie ads on the, in the newspaper when you were talking about ET yeah, last. Yeah, week. yeah. You should have that uh, put up for Yellowstone when they, would, they, they should, you should run with it. <laughs> Absolutely. I, yeah. I, 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 put your name to it, man. Don't be shy. There you go. And Derek, also, you mentioned recently about how cable was running like up this marathon of James Bond films. So I recorded a few on my PVR and last this past week I watched the 1983 Roger Moore uh, film Octopussy. Nice. It was, that was the first Bond movie I ever oh saw in the theater. God, it was fantastic. I, I've always said my favorite James Bond movie is For Your Eyes Only and, and we did that one here on the podcast but man Octopussy was awesome. It was like a, this trip down memory lane for me. It was just great nostalgia and the thing was after For Your Eyes Only a lot of people thought Roger Moore was done. I mean, he even kind of said he was going to retire. And then they even went so far as to bring James Brolin in to play Bond in Octopussy. But then Roger Moore is like, no, I'm going to stick around for a little bit longer. And the thing was, there was so much more action in Octopussy than there was in For Your Eyes Only. Like there's all these fight scenes. And then at one point, James Bond is like clinging on top of an airplane in the final scene. It was really good. And I also liked the, the Russian bad guy. He was... Um, he played Victor Maitland in Beverly Hills Cop. It was uh, awesome. Ah, yes. Oh. Yeah. So, so basically my take is Octopussy, great. Yellowstone. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your dad joke of the week. Okay, so I figured since we're, we're talking about celebrities that we've met this week, I figured it was only appropriate, guys, that I do a dad joke involving celebrities. So, gentlemen... What did Mr. T say before his celebrity boxing match with Dave Grohl? I, I don't know. Sorry I pity for the loss. foo. Oh, man. Yeah, you want to talk about... <laughs> Roger Moore is James Bond. I think it's really funny that you can say octopusy, but you can't say... Hey, this is not cool. I was a real nerd. 
No kidding. Here's a song. Here's a song. Here's a song. Oh, stop playing that damn thing. Stop it. I was like, oh my God, what's going on here, dude? Your wife has got great taste in pop culture. They're definitely phony baloney, but you just have to accept them. I mean, she's no Ryan Reynolds. This is what's big now. Back in the day. You can look at me all you want, but you're not touching me because you're a gross old man. So great. <laughs> that, that was a good quote out of context. Oh. I just want to say. Man, I've, I've heard that so many times. <laughs> I just want to say, I really hope we start a trend here that everything everything that you don't like in pop culture, you just say, it's, it's <laughs> Oh my God, that's funny. Oh, I feel like I got to take a break. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to take over for then. Please do. So on this episode, so Chris and I talked about this a while back. Chris has talked to me on camera, on, on mic and off mic about some of the encounters he's had with famous people in the course of his lifetime. He's, he's relayed some of these fabulous anecdotes uh, with our listeners over the podcast over the years. And we were chatting about it. And he said, you know, this would be a great topic. We just We just share our stories. And I thought that would be a great topic. If I had any stories to share, which unfortunately I do not. So I thought, well, that doesn't make for good radio. And that is a big part of why I, I suggested we reach out to Greg because I've known Greg a long time. And Greg has some fantastic stories about uh, the many famous people he's met just based on the kind of work he's done over the years, which I'm sure he will tell us all about, that has put him in the proximity of famous people. Me, on the other hand, I will not be able to contribute very much to this dialogue because, honestly, guys, I have led a very boring and sheltered life. I have not had any chance encounters with any famous people. I have, uh, you know, I don't go to, like, I go to comic conventions, but I'm not going to meet famous people. I am literally just going to buy comic books. So in that sense, I am super boring. The only famous person that I've had an encounter with or that I know of, and I mentioned this before, uh, is my good friend Paul Lee, Paul Seung-Hung Lee, who is, uh, was on Kim's Convenience. Um, and Greg, uh, you know, Greg and I both met Paulie in the late 90s when we were working together at Blockbuster. So we've known Paulie forever and ever. And yes, now he's very famous. And yes, now he's a lot, he's recognizable and he's got, a, a, you know, a, a great big fan base. So I know Paulie, but I don't really think that's the flavor we're going for today. Today's more of a, who is someone you've bumped into or seen or met at a convention or something? who is already famous and you just happen to meet them or have an encounter with them. So guys, I leave it to you to do the heavy lifting for the rest of the show. Tell us about your celebrity encounters and, and Greg, why don't you kick it off? Yeah. Cause, well, cause, cause Greg, Greg, D Derek tells me there, the, there might be a bit of an issue with some of the stories. It was so lucky. Not making it past the censors, but I'll tell you what, you have carte blanche. <laughs> so. Oh boy. Well, wow. Really? Oh yeah. You're going to regret that. Well, I mean, <laughs> our, our, our producer sloth will just beep it all out anyway. So, so well, yeah, like yeah, Derek said, why don't you kick it off and like, like just, we'll just kind of go back and forth and just share some stories. Like what's, what's a yeah, what's sure. one story you want to kick off the celebrity that uh, you've met? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it light to start with. Okay. Uh, just cause uh, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll get into more and more as time goes on. I'll, I'll start a light one. I'm looking at my list here and uh, I got a couple of encounters uh, where I've uh, met uh, celebrities while using the washroom. So uh, the first one was during a snow delay at uh, Dorval Airport in Montreal uh, years back. 
uh, I was super uh, pissed off because uh, my family decided to take a trip to Florida uh, right when Iron Maiden was coming through town with Anthrax, and I couldn't go to the show because uh, I was going to Florida. And uh, so I had to sell my ticket and everything. And so there was a, a, a massive uh, snow delay. I go to use the men's room while I'm waiting for uh, the plane to be clean. And I'm uh, standing next to, you know, standing at the urinal, and this guy walks up next to me, tall guy. I look over, and it was the drummer from Iron Maiden. <laughs> and I'm like, no way, man. And, of course, I was younger, so I was super excited. I didn't know how to contain myself. And I'm like, you're the drummer for Iron Maiden? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, you know, obviously trying to take a whiz. And I'm, I'm trying to talk to him. And I'm like, oh, dude, you know, I, I was supposed to go see your show. I had to sell my ticket. I'm all, I'm all this and that, this and that. And I'm like, dude, man, this is so amazing. And uh, he says, yeah, you know what? We can continue this conversation, but let me go wash my hands first. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? That is a good idea. And uh, I realized at that point, I'm like, yeah, that was, you know, I fanboyed and I shouldn't have done that. And so I learned my lesson there. But a number of years later, I was uh, working for the Hockey Hall of Fame and uh, I was doing the NHL awards one night. And I, I went to go use the washroom and I saw this guy it, just go in in front of me, uh, you know, a bit of a ways. He went in and I was about to walk in and the gentleman standing at the door says, oh, you can't go in there. I'm like, oh, I just need to use the washroom. Like, I, I can't go into the washroom. And he looks and he sees I got the VIP pass on. He goes, oh, I guess you're okay. You can go in. I'm like, yeah, okay, thanks. And I go in and the gentleman's standing there and I go and I'm, I'm using the urinal and I look over and it's uh, Pop Goes Your World favorite. Uh, Russell Crowe is uh, <laughs> is there, and I'm like, oh man! I'm like in my head, I'm like, I'm I'm peeing with Gladiator, and so, anyways, he he finished up, and I finished up around the same time, but then this he was in town filming Cinderella Man at the time, and this was that era where he was in the paper every day for beating up people, and so I was like, oh man, I really don't want to be like the next statistic. So I, I just I, I just stood there and waited for him to finish. He did wash his hands. <laughs> he did wash his hands. And then as soon as like, you never know with those Aussies, you know. Yeah, it was so funny to see his limousine pulled up. He got out of his limo, used the washroom, washed his hands, came out, waited two minutes on the side of the stage, went on stage and read a teleprompter for like 30 seconds, handed an award to somebody, came off stage, got back in his limo and took off. That's how long he was at the awards. So, so Greg, I got to ask, yep. did yep. you get to sneak a peek at the Gladiators winner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, man. I, 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 we, we talked about this earlier. I've, I've seen Celebrity Wiener. I'm not going to divulge into that story because, again, censors. But uh, Russell Crowe uh, was not one of the celebrity wieners that I did see. Okay. Okay. Well, now that we, <laughs> I'm glad we've set the record straight. All right. Chris, oh that's God. a tough act to follow. Celebrity you know, you kind of mentioned things. One thing that I thought was interesting about going to conventions. Like, I've been to a lot of a few conventions over the years. Probably the two biggest being Fan Expo. And the other one was Fangoria's Weekend of Horror. It was back in June of 1991. The only time that it ever came to Canada. And I've mentioned this before on the podcast that I went to this thing. It was so cool. And I had a chance to meet Tom Savini and, and talk to him. And he's, he's like a makeup artist. He's fantastic. And he's also done some acting. And then one of my favorite directors of all time was Herschel Gordon Lewis. He was like this sort of pioneer with these old horror movies. And I got a chance to meet him. And I'm not talking about just at the Q&A. It's like I talked to him privately, you know, aside. I was like 
very confident. He just walked up, started talking to him. It was great. But one that always stands out is Ron Oliver. Now, Ron Oliver is this Canadian director. And and and, and funny enough, the thing that kind of got everything all started where there was a comment that he made during his Q&A w- about the movie E.T., just because we did that movie last week. So he gets on stage, he does his Q&A, and he's talking about directing movies. And he's like, you know, E.T., like, what the hell is that? Like, that movie sucked. You know, it's a stupid movie and blah, 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 blah. And then he says this thing and he gets off. And then so I bump into him and I'm like, he's like, hey, man, how's it going? Whatever. And I'm like, actually, I I have a bit of an issue with something that you said on stage. And it was about E.T. and slagging E.T. And he's like, why? Why? What the hell is the problem? And I'm like, come on, man. It was a great film. It's and, And this was back in 91. So it was the number one film of all time. And he's like, and then him and then he's got like this entourage with him. I don't know. There's friends or something like that. And they're like, oh man, Spielberg wrote that in his parents' basement. He's such a friggin' nerd and blah, blah, blah. And they're going on and on. And I'm like, hey man, like this is like, why would you slag another director? Especially one of like, you know, the greatest film of all time. And I'm like, dude, like you've directed like Prom Night 3 and like this stupid movie Liar's Edge. Like, so, so we, it didn't go very well. And, and we had a kind of a bad experience. And it's funny enough, just today I was online and I found someone had posted um, video that they took of the Fangoria uh, Weekend of Horror back in 1991. I looked everywhere. I didn't see myself in there, but, uh, but yeah, so Ron Oliver was one that, uh, that I met. So it was, it was not a good experience, but I think a lot of mine are going to be Canadian celebrities, but, uh, uh, Greg, do you have any other ones? Do you have any Canadian celebrities that you've met over the years? Dude, I just want to say thank you for sharing the Ron Oliver story with us. You've been teasing that for like weeks, man. Yeah. And I've been like, I'm like, I want to hear it. I got to hear it. Chris he, keeps talking he, about Ron. Cause you know what? I remember Ron Oliver as well. And I, I remember kind of being annoyed by that guy. So I was uh, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you sharing the story. Uh, I'm looking at my list here, Canadians. Uh, well, this one isn't that exciting. I just I just happened to come across. Uh, I was sitting in a bar one night, and uh, Justin Trudeau came in uh, when he before he was prime minister, and he was campaigning to, to become prime minister, and uh, he did not even know who was playing in the Monday night football game. So I was unimpressed at that point. <laughs> but that's that's. That's uh, the short of the story. But if you want a Canadian story that's a, a little more fun, uh, we uh, there's a, a Canadian adult film actor named Voodoo. And uh, I was following him on t- Twitter. And uh, he said, oh, well, I'm back in Toronto. And I'm uh, looking uh, for uh, things to do and places to go. Anybody? Can anybody help me out and hook me up? And uh, I can talk about it now because I don't work there anymore. But at the time, I was working with the Blue Jays, Toronto Blue Jays. I was uh, selling tickets. So, you know, to be kind and whatever, I, I, I sent him a, a, a tweet. Basically said, oh, hey, man, I can, I can hook you up with some Blue Jay tickets if you're interested. So next thing you know, I, I'm getting a DM from him. He's like, oh, man, I, I'd love to. Uh, that'd be great. I said, oh, okay, great. And, you know, is there a night you want to come? He's like, well, what night's not too busy? Yeah, I'm during the week, you know, early in the week, like Tuesday night games, usually not too bad. So he goes, okay, is there a Tuesday night game coming up? I said, yeah, yeah, next week. So he's like, okay, uh, put me down for uh, two tickets for next Tuesday. I'm like, okay. So we kept in touch, and, you know, I told him where to come get his tickets and everything. So the day comes, and he, he comes up to my window to get his tickets, and he's there with uh, uh, a girl who obviously works in the same line of movies that he does. You can like, just tell. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. So 
Um, so I'm like, okay, well, I'll go out there and, and, and meet you. So hold on a second. So I, I grab his tickets and I go outside. And we're standing outside. And then he says to me, he goes, uh, uh, are they going to let me in with, with, with my bag? And he's got this giant bag with him, right? I'm like, well, I don't know, man. It's pretty big. Why? What you got in there? He goes, oh, I got my camera. I'm going to do some filming. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I, I'm going to make, I'm making a movie. I'm like, what kind of movie? And he, you know, he just looks at me like, are you stupid? You know? <laughs> and they're going to be like, oh, oh. He's like, yeah. He's like, are you cool with that? And, you know, at the time, I, I, I didn't want to say no. So I was like, uh, okay, yeah, sure. So he's like, okay, well, we're going to go in and we're, we're, we're going to film and whatever. He says, uh, after you're done, if you want to grab a beer or whatever, let me know. I was like, uh, okay. So I, he goes into the, the, the stadium and whatever. And, and about an hour goes by and my girlfriend was at the game that night. And I get a text from my girlfriend, and she says, "Oh, hey, man, I I, I see your friend. He's he's up here in the upper deck with a with a, a lady friend." And I said, "Oh, okay, yeah, I met them." And she goes, "Yeah, um, they've gone over to a section where there's not a lot of people." I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, "Well, they're on the top row, and she's sitting on them." I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> I'm like, are you you're kidding me, right? She goes, "No, it's very obvious what they're doing." So I'm like, oh, wow, uh, okay. So the next thing you know, she she texts me about 10 minutes later and goes, oh, the police came and security's come. Uh, they're escorting them down the stairs. I'm like, uh, okay, thanks. And then about five minutes later, my phone just starts vibrating and vibrating and vibrating in my, in my drawer, right? So I open it up. I'm like looking at messages as I'm serving the customers. And it's, and it's voodoo. And he's writing me, he goes, oh, uh, the police have come and got me. They're taking me out of the stadium. They want to know who gave me the tickets. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. Oh, no. And he goes, don't worry, man. Don't worry, man. I'm not telling them who gave me the tickets. I'm like, thank you. Thank you very much. And so anyways, he goes, yeah, they're, they're going to be charging me for uh, lewd conduct. And I'm like, oh, my God. So <laughs> I'm like, all right, uh, you know, thanks for everything, you know, and no problem. And uh, later on, uh, the next day I come in for my shift and my boss says to me, do you have a minute before you start? Uh, there's some people that want to talk to you. I'm like, uh, oh, okay. And they brought me into a boardroom. Now, anytime you get brought into a boardroom, if it's me, it's not a good thing because I normally never, ever go into a boardroom. So the fact that I was in a boardroom is not a good thing. So they say to me, like, um, we had an incident here last night and there was a couple of people filming uh, uh, adult content. I'm like, oh, 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 okay. And they're like, do you know anything about it? I'm like, no, no, I, I <laughs> really, I had no idea. And then the person's like, well, when we confiscated their tickets, uh, your seller code was on the ticket, right? And I'm like, oh man, I, I sell hundreds of tickets a game, man. I, <laughs> I don't know. And so they're like, so you have no idea who this person is? I'm like, no, not a clue, <laughs> you know. And so I was like, oh, my God, thank God. I was sweating profusely when I got out of there. I needed to, like, take a shower. And finally, <laughs> so the movie so came out. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. So he finally put the movie out. And uh, when he put the movie out, he sent me a DM, invited me out to uh, lunch and drinks. And uh, he gave me uh, five copies of it. He autographed them. 
And then uh, when you weren't I, in the when credits, were you? Watch, special thanks. I was. Oh, I made the credits. And you're to saying to your bosses, "No, really, I had no, I had no yeah, idea. Well, I don't work there anymore, so I don't care." But <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you, like most people would be like, "Oh my god, that you, really like you know, that's that's awful, whatever." That's like a badge of honor. Like, the, I'm like damn. <laughs> Like, like literally when people tell me there's no way that's not true or this or that, I like, as the kids say, man, I can show receipts. <laughs> I, I have proof, man. I look and there's my name in the thank yous. So nice. That, and, and then it, it turned out that, uh, he, uh, you know, we, we lost touch over the years, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of my Canadian, uh, claim to fames is as well. Uh, I can tell another one uh, that really quickly. It's a shorter one, much shorter one. Sure, Derek will remember this one. I was working at Blockbuster one night, and it was super late. It was on a Sunday, and this drunk couple came in, and they wanted to rent movies, but they didn't have a membership. So I said to the lady, I'm like, well, I need proof of ID and a credit card uh, so that I can sign you up for a membership. And the lady says to me, oh, well, I, I only have a driver's license. I don't have a credit card i said well if you don't have a credit card i, I can't give you a you know a membership and so she lifts up her shirt she goes well what if i show you these <laughs> and i'm like oh wow okay uh i'm like not that they're not nice or anything but i still need a credit card so i'm like i can't believe it. i just got flashed right at the blockbuster and she says to me she says do you know who this is and she's pointing to her boyfriend and i'm looking at the guy i'm like no she goes this is kenneth mcclain He's the drummer for Platinum Blonde. So I, I take a step back and I look at him. I'm like, oh, man, yeah, yes, yes. I said, I remember Platinum Blonde. My sister was a huge fan. And he says, oh, thanks. I go, yeah, it's been a long time since you guys have put out a new album. I'm definitely going to need to see a credit card at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, don't pull well that. You know who this is, the routine on me. So anyways, they they left without getting a without getting a membership, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that sums up uh, anything off the top of my head for Canadian encounters at the moment. Well, well, I, I've got a couple ones to share that I, that I want to share. They're a little bit more innocent in nature. So and and they both have to do with my hometown. So I'm from uh, I grew up in Port Elgin, Ontario, a little tiny town that no one's ever heard of. It's a little bit of a tourist town over on the lake. And when um, when I was there, I was like 12 years old, and I think I might even mention this to you before, Derek. Uh, I was a big fan of a Canadian author called Gordon Corman, and he wrote a book called This Can't Be Happening at McDonald Hall. And he came to my town and did like this appearance at the library. And I went over and, and saw him. And there was like me and four other kids. Nobody really cared to go see him. I, I, you know, it was kind of bad. It was, it, you know, but uh, but anyway, so I was so excited that I got to meet him. I thought I was meeting a rock star. But the real one in my hometown that I met that's exciting was when I first moved there. I was 10 years old. And so I go to this like little town and it was, like I say, it was a bit of a tourist town. And there was this guy that would come there in the summertime and walk around. And he was like this great big muscular guy. And he, and he was a black guy and he had like this dyed white hair. So he just stood out like a sore thumb in this little tiny, like, you know, farming community town on a lake. And it was sweet daddy Siki. And he would come there every summer. Nicest guy, too. Like, I would talk to him, and he was, like, a super nice guy. And, and I don't know if you're into wrestling at all, but Sweet Daddy Siki is, like, one of the pioneers of wrestling. Not just in Canada, but around the world. And I had a chance to meet him when I was, like, 10. So that was kind of cool. So a couple of more innocent ones from my hometown. So, Greg, you're more, you're, like, a big music guy. 
Yep. Do you have any like music celebrities that you've met, you know, other than the ones you've mentioned? One of my favorite stories is uh, he's he'd be big in the metal world. I don't know mm-hmm. if people outside of metal might not know him, but uh, Troy Saunders of the the band Mastodon. He uh, he's the lead singer and the the bassist. He um, I met him and it was it was it was quite by a fluke because I worked at a, a venue here in Toronto that normally didn't host rock concerts or any kind of concerts. It was mostly uh, symphonies and ballets. But one night they they hosted a a, a metal show with uh, Mastodon was on the bill, so I was very excited because uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge Mastodon fan. So uh, as I was heading into work, I was going into the staff entrance, and as I'm about to go in the staff entrance, I see this guy with a, a black hoodie on and sunglasses, and a beard, and I look over, I'm like, oh my god, and I'm like Troy Saunders. He's like, oh hey man, I'm like hey, I'm like huge fan man, I love I love Mastodon. He's like, oh thanks. And so I shared a, a tidbit with him that he didn't know because they, they wrote this album called Leviathan and it's got a spinal tap feel to it. Cause it's basically every song is about Moby Dick. <laughs> and uh, so I said to him, I said, Oh, you know, I, I love Leviathan. I think it's a fantastic album. I said, did you know the, the recording artist Moby? The reason he's called Moby is because his great, great, great uncle is Herman Melville who wrote Moby Dick. So he's like, no way. I'm like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I said, you know, so I said, a little bit of trivia for you. And uh, I figured that was the, the end of it. And as I'm telling him this story, he he, he lit up a joint. And so he, he he's smoking it. And as as he's done, he, he goes to hand it to me. And I said, oh, no, uh, I'm good. Uh, I'm going to work. And he looked at me and he goes, so? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, and so he's still standing there holding this thing. And all of a sudden I had that moment, you know, like when you watch those cartoons and like the devil shows up on one of your shoulders, angel goes on the other one. So like the devil's sitting there going, but what are you waiting for, man? This this metal guy's offering you some weed. You should take it. And then all of a sudden the angel's like, Gregory, you you have a job to do. You need to remain focused. You need to remain, you know, uh, coherent. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then the devil's like, my God, man, really? You've come this far in life and you have this opportunity and you're going to say no? And the angel's like, do the right thing and just say thank you, no thank you, and walk away. And um, yeah, the devil won. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I was like, yeah, okay. So I, I partook in not only one, he then lit up another one, so I partook in that one with him too. And then I took selfies to commemorate the <laughs> to commemorate the moment. Nice. And either he had really good weed, or it was more than just weed, because I've I've smoked weed before and I've never felt like that. <laughs> like I was literally a zombie for my shift. Like like I was staring at people because they were talking and their lips were moving, but it took like three seconds before the words came out of their mouth. So it was a. <laughs> It was it was a crazy situation, but uh, that that one sticks out for me. That yeah, that's that's one of my better musical ones. Was was hanging out with Troy Saunders of uh, Mastodon. But the funny thing is, is that show happened in April uh, uh, many many years ago. I forget what year it was, but it came up on my Facebook memory in April of uh, 2020, and I, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. This and that. This and that. And then that's right when COVID was at its peak and everybody was panicking about everything. 
And then all of a sudden I had this epiphany where I was like, oh my God, I like literally put my mouth on the, the on somebody else's mouth, the, the, this sharing a joint. I'm like, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> like this, this is a bad thing. I can't believe I ever did it before. <laughs> I got a, I got a couple of music ones. So when I was a teenager, I was like, I played guitar in a band and I've mentioned that before. And there were two influences that I had that made me want to pick up a guitar and learn a guitar and, 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 and just kind of inspired me to be a musician. And they were David Wilcox and Rick Emmett, two Canadian sort of icons, if you will. And luckily enough, I've had the chance to meet them both. So when I worked at, at Ontario place, remember Derek, when we, you and I first met when I worked at yep. LP, um, yep. Where I was like, I worked and I did like costume characters and children's theater and stuff. And we shared a dressing room in the same building as all the musical acts that would come in. And I remember one day we were in there and we're kind of walking around and getting ready to go out and do go do a show somewhere or something. And I run into Rick Emmett and I just remember just like, it was just so cool. And he was just so, he was just so friendly and gracious. And me being able to say to him, hey, listen, you're the reason I picked up a guitar. And I know you've probably heard that a million times from people, but you know, I just wanted you to know that. And then years later in 2003, and when I was in my hometown of Port Elgin, I actually was able to organize a concert. And this was an outdoor concert that we put on to raise money for the town. And the um, the heading headline act was David Wilcox. I brought David Wilcox in and I had the chance to <clears throat> hang out with him. Backside, I had to do his rider and stuff like that. And then I got a chance to hang out with him in his dressing room. And same thing, he was able to tell him, by the way, you're the reason, one of the reasons why I picked up a guitar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just the way you play a guitar is so unique. And um, so I, I was able to tell those two people, you know, that inspired me, that they did inspire me. So that was kind of, I was very gratified in doing that. So um, have you, um, you ever met anybody on, from TV? Greg, you've met so many people. Uh, TV, TV, TV. Yeah, actually, I've got a good one here. I'm just looking at my list. Yeah. Uh, you remember uh, when Conan O'Brien came to Toronto uh, to film for a week? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Did you watch Conan O'Brien? When yes, like, I do remember that. Yes, was, yes, yes, yes. Like, it was a big deal because he came to yeah. Toronto for a week, right? Yeah. He, 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 this was before he was hosting The Tonight Show. Like, he was doing the... He was still doing The Tonight night, Show yeah. thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so he was in town, but he, he was in town prior to being in Toronto, like, filming pre-segments you know and uh so i was working at the hockey hall of fame and i was the the manager at the time and uh, we were getting ready to close it was like five to five so i'm closing down the till and all of a sudden i see uh this entourage of people come walking up to the front to the main entrance and uh it's conan o'brien and uh, uh his name escapes me from kids in the hall there uh, the guy i played buddy um Scott Thompson. Okay. Yep. And, uh, Scott Thompson's with him and a whole bunch of uh, camera crew. And they're like, uh, you know, hey, we're in town and we're filming segments for uh, my show that I'm going to be doing here in a couple of weeks. Uh, we were wondering if we could come in and film some segments. And I was like, oh, well, we're going to be closing soon, but I can see what I can do. So I called up to the, the big wigs upstairs and I explained the situation and they're like, well, we're not going to say no because it's an awesome opportunity, right? Right. For, you know, for them to come in and yeah. of course he's going to come to the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's Toronto, right? And it's Canada, it's hockey. So he says to me, he says, well, we need somebody to stick around. You want to stick around? I had nothing going on that night. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll hang out for sure. And uh, I didn't think, uh, you know, he would be too chatty or whatever, but turned out he was like, the, he, 
he is the tallest man you'll ever meet uh, oh, yeah, next to Tim tall. Robbins. Tim Robbins, Tim Robbins is a skyscraper, but Conan O'Brien comes in a close second. And uh, he knew nothing about hockey, like nothing about hockey. But he, you know, he was super polite about learning about it and uh, uh, giving him a tour. They were filming segments. Uh, he shared his Doritos with me, and then uh, we ended up actually talking about music because uh, at the time he was the only uh, late show that was uh, putting heavy metal artists. Uh, on their show so uh we were talking about uh when slipknot was on and know oh, he had anthrax on and then uh he did this thing where he had the white stripes on for five nights in a row and at the time the white stripes were just relatively new but taken off i remember and, that uh, yeah yeah and, and so i was like oh man i'm like yeah i really enjoyed you know the fact that he had the white stripes on and uh so he was a big music guy and he knew a whole ton about music but nothing about hockey and uh scott thompson i i'm pretty sure we had been drinking all day <laughs> uh, he was funny he, he was funny like it, like again though it was one of those things where if you if you don't have an open-minded sense of humor you're not going to find scott thompson to be funny but uh he made me laugh i had a good time uh with scott thompson uh talking to him but uh, hanging around with conan o'brien like i said he was uh he was super friendly super accommodating uh super nice and he uh, he hooked me up with uh some tickets to go see the show when uh, it was in town for the taping and uh uh, so I went on the night that they brought out the Stanley Cup on the stage and stuff. So it was uh, it was pretty good. Uh, that was uh, that was one of my more memorable uh, encounters with TV people. Nice. And you mentioning um, Conan O'Brien, especially we mentioning Scott Thompson and sort of the improv background that he came from. So in '93, I moved to Toronto. And one of the things that like, I really wanted to go to Second City, just to, to go, I ended up joining the, uh, the, the, I didn't join the company, but I did like the workshops and stuff there. But before I did that, when I first moved to Toronto, I wanted to go to Second City and watch the shows. And I knew that if you went late after the show was over and got in line, what they would do is a lot of people when the show was over, they would leave. You know, people would just get up and say, oh, the show's over and they leave and they don't know that the actors would go backstage and wait about 15 minutes and they'd come back out and they would do improvs with the crowd. And a lot of people, like I say, didn't know that, so they'd leave. But if you went and got in line, then what they would do is the ushers would open the doors and let some people in into the empty seats just to come in for free and watch the improv. And so I knew this, so I went and got in line and, and I did it. And I got in there and first time ever being in a second city, I was just so excited just to be there because just of the history and everything. I walk in and there is, I go to sit down and I sit down at a table. They put me at this table because if you've ever been to second city, it's very, very kind of cramped, you know? And so I go in and they put me at this table and I look at the person beside me and it's Tony Rosado who was on SCTV and was also on Saturday Night Live. And I was just like, oh my God. I was like, oh. You're Tony Rosado. Yes, I am. <laughs> and we just sat and had a conversation about improv and stuff. And at the time I was an actor. So, I mean, I, but I was really into improv and comedy and stuff. And we just had like the greatest conversation because I was really excited about it and stuff. So then, then he was excited and we just had this great conversation. So that's something I'll never, ever forget. But the TV person that I'll remember the most. So going back to our first season of this show, we did an episode about our celebrity crushes. And if you remember, there was a Toronto show, and everybody knows this, called Degrassi. Yeah! And Degrassi was based on an area in Toronto's East End, just past Cabbage Town and Regent Park out there. So the original incarnation of the show had a girl on it named uh, an actress, Stacey Matician. And I had the 
biggest crush on her in the 80s. Like, just the biggest crush when I was a teenager. And then anyway, so I, I moved to Toronto and I'm working at an Ontario place. And what they did at Ontario place was they would bring these kind of like local Toronto actors in to do like things with the kids. Like they, you'd get on stage and like read things for the kids and stuff. And the one day I go in, I go to work and I'm like, okay, who, who's coming in today? And it's like, it's Stacey Matician. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I just like to meet your childhood crush is like something that like it's it's hard to explain and so she came in and i just I, I was like speechless and i'm a pretty confident guy i usually not at a loss for words and i was totally at a loss for words when i met her and it was funny because for an actress the thing that stood out to me the most about her was she was incredibly shy like almost painfully shy and uh, but she was very very nice very very kind and and, she, and and so you know we had to do this thing where we read um, you know these stories to the kids on stage and stuff but it was really cool so not just to meet your crush but to actually get to work with them was it was kind of cool so that was big for me Greg um, I know that you uh, you have met with many of the Degrassi people oh over your God. life have you not absolutely man I am a huge Degrassi file Huge guys, well, man. So, I went so, on a, so went spill on a, the beans. I went, on a bus, I went on a bus tour where they they took us on the bus and they took us to all the the sites and everywhere where they filmed the Degrassi, and uh, people would jump on at various sites to uh, conduct the tour with us. There was like uh, Joey Jeremiah, Mr. Radage, and then uh, at the end of the night, they had a, a big thing in the theater where they uh, they showed uh, uh, the top five episodes of Degrassi, and then they showed that uh, infamous movie. School's Out, which was like the Empire Strikes Back of Degrassi. And uh, they had the whole Degrassi cast and crew there uh, doing Q&As. It was, I, I, if you go on my Facebook page, man, uh, dude, you, you love that Stacy girl. They, I have tons of pictures with her because I, I keep showing up at these Degrassi events. She's always there. Uh, there's one picture that's hilarious. We got on stage and it was uh, Stacy and uh, Pat Mastriani who plays Joey yep. Jeremiah. Yep. And then the uh, the girl who plays Spike was up on stage <laughs> and all three of them are up there. And I literally avoided the other two just so I could get my picture with Spike. <laughs> nice. <laughs> man, you talk about your childhood crush was Caitlin, man. Mine was Spike. Nice. Love Spike. So uh, I, I've been to like uh, Degrassi bus tours, at, uh, Degrassi Paloozas. Uh, I've just been a huge Degrassi fan since I was like a little kid. So uh, getting to, to, to go on tour, like bus tours and meet these guys and uh, get pictures and have Q&As and conversations with them. Oh, man, love it. They, again, it's a Canadian thing. I know yeah. I know your, your listening audience out there that's not Canadian are like, what's wrong with these people? Who are, who are these but, people man, are talking it, about? It, it, is, it is. But the thing is, it's so Canadian. The show is so Canadian. That's what makes it so great. Yes. Like, you know, it, it, it's basically like the real life problems of teenagers that were on there. And that's why I loved it. It wasn't like when you're watching 90210 and, you know, Brendan has to chase down somebody in his Ferrari. Like, it, you know, we were watching stories about, uh, you know, Luke taking one hit of acid or uh, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, no, it was a Luke Simon. Was it Simon? I forget who it was. Uh, Shane, Shane, Shane took the hit of acid, one hit of acid at the Gourmet Scum concert and he thought he could fly. Off one hit of acid. Like, really? <laughs> Anyways, uh, again, I'm referencing the fact that I may have taken a lot of narcotics as a child. But <laughs> as a child. As a child. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm almost 50 years old now, man. The fact that I was like 16 years old when I was doing it, it makes me feel like a child. But, 
you know, one hit of acid doesn't make you think you're going to fly. But anyways, I'm not Timothy Leary here. I'm not a big LSD guy. But anyways, it was just teenage stuff like that. Like, I remember we had to watch in school. We had to watch the episode where Spike announced to everybody that she was pregnant. Because then we have to talk about teen pregnancy and everything like yep. that. So it was Degrassi is just something I grew up on. So my God, yeah, absolutely, man. We could have like a whole three-hour podcast on Degrassi. And dude, I could even get you. I am in contact with Degrassi members, man. You could do a show where you could get these people on and guest as your people on this show. We'll definitely have, have to do that at Degrassi some point. Cast, man. Definitely have dude, to do that. You, you guys can do that when I'm taking a little vacation the next time around. No kidding. Um, so one thing I've mentioned in the past that I, I, I was an actor for years, like when I was younger and, um, but the thing is too, like, I'm also like a big, obviously a big fan of pop culture and I'm a historian and I love all this stuff. So there was a show like, so back in the day, again, just the Canadian angle way back in the early seventies, I'm talking like 70 to 72. Um, there was a, uh, so Canadian TV was just kind of a new thing. And, you know, they were thinking like, you know. Should we like create shows, produce shows here in Canada? Can we do this? Is this possible? And so they came out with a sitcom in, in Canada that they shot in Toronto. And it was called The Trouble with Tracy. And it lasted from like 70 to 71, 72. And it was like, like really low budget. Like it was shot on like a smallest soundstage you could ever imagine. But the actress that played the lead role was Diane Nyland. And... Anyway, so years go by, and, and I, I want to say in the summer of 92, I was in a play, and she was the director. So she comes in, and she's the director, and I'm just, like, starstruck. <laughs> and I remember a lot of people in the cast were younger than me, and they were like, you know, who's that? Like, I, I don't, we don't know, I don't know who that is. I'm like, that's Tracy. And they're like, we don't know that show. Like, we never watched that show. I don't even have ever heard of it before. And so for whatever reason, because she, she, I recognized her and, and I just, and I was a fan. Like I was like, I was geeking out. We just kind of hit it off. And, um, and she was, I would say to this day of all the acting I've ever done, she was probably the greatest director I ever worked with. She understood theater backward and forward. I, I always think of her as the first lady of Canadian theater. She was that good. And just, she inspired, like she, she really instilled a lot of confidence in me as an actor. And, and she always trusted me a lot in a lot of the scenes that, that I, that I worked on. And, and it was just so wonderful to work with somebody that you really look up to and, and, and just think is just like, you know, the, the greatest thing ever. And so, so that's just what I really want. It was a personal one, but it's, it's definitely one I want to share. Greg, do you have one that's kind of like a, like maybe your favorite you know, to, to kind of end us off with, like, do you have like a favorite celebrity that you've ever met? All right. I'm, I'm going to throw out some names and you can decide which one you want to hear about. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, this one's a longer one, but it's a good one. It's crazy. It's, it's wild. It's one of my favorites, but it's a bit long. Uh, Joan Rivers. Okay. Uh, I got a, a bit of a shorter one, but it's, it's funny. Uh, and it's uh, uh, NHL legend, Phil Esposito. Mm-hmm. Or if you want, I can end on it's 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 an okay story. It's nothing fantastic, but it's a short story and a good one. Uh, Martin Sheen, Derek. 
I'll flip it over to you. Do you have a preference of those three? I was going to say, I, I know the first two, but I don't think I've heard the Martin Sheen one. So why don't we do Martin Sheen and we'll save the other two for uh, a future episode when Greg comes on. He can tell us all about nice. the John River stories is good, but he's right. It's it's a little long, but it's worth waiting for. So we'll tease that one for a future episode. So sure. Greg, tell us about Martin Sheen. All right. So uh, one day uh, I'm working at a Blockbuster video. And uh, it's a slow day. It's a weekday. There's not much goes on during the week at the Blockbuster. You basically clean shelves, put movies back on the shelf. And so I get this call, and it's a, a girl that I used to work with at my Blockbuster. She works at another Blockbuster now. And she says to me, hey, can you do me a favor? I got a customer here who's looking to buy a movie that we don't have. But I remember uh, we uh, we had it at our store. Do you, can you see if you still have it? So I'm like, yeah, sure. What's what's the name of the movie? So she says it's uh, made to order, but made is spelled M-A-I-D, right? So I'm like, uh, oh, okay. So uh, I go into the computer and I log in and you know uh, put in the made to order, and I look and you you can see like the rental history on the thing, and I'm like, yeah, no one's rented this movie in like three years, <laughs> right? Like it just sits on our shelf. So she goes, oh, well, the, the, the customer here would like to buy it. Really? She's like, yeah, how much is it? I'm like, well, it says here in the system $5.99 if we want to sell it, right? She goes, oh, okay, well, you'll be down in a little bit to get it. I'm like, no problem. She's like, do you have the box that goes with it? So I'm like, well, let me go check. So I go and look, and the cover box was there. I'm like, yeah. She goes, oh, you'd like that too? I'm like, yeah, no problem. If he's willing to pay for this thing, I'll give it to him. So uh, I bring the movie up to the front put it in the cover box wrap it up so it looks nice and uh you know again slow day so i'm on the phone with my friend just chatting away and uh, this is about like an hour later and i hear the the bell ring to notify me that the somebody's coming in the store and you're trained just when you hear the bell just to say welcome to blockbuster how you doing so as i'm on the phone i just hear the bell ring and i go welcome to blockbuster how are you doing martin sheen <laughs> <laughs> so he's like standing right in front of me. I'm like, I so I said to my friend, I'm like, I gotta let you go. Well, I'll tell you about this later. And so I hang up the phone. I'm like, hi. He's like, how you doing? I was just uh, talking to Samantha, the blockbuster downtown, and she said you had my movie. And I look at the box, and he's on the front cover with Ali Sheedy. I'm like, uh, I'm like, yeah, I do, I do. He goes, oh, okay. Well, I'd like to buy it. I'm like, I, I'm gonna want better. You, you can have it. Like, no, no, I want to pay for it. I'm like, no, no. I said, dude, I, 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 if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have these movies here. So you can have it. So as he's talking to me, all of a sudden this guy, I don't know. Do, do you watch Cobra Kai at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know the guy Stingray? With the, he had the funky goatee? Yes. The older guy who's yeah. staying around the high school kids? Yes. 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 Anyways, this guy who looked like Stingray <laughs> comes up to the front cash. <laughs> And he starts quoting uh, Marlon Brando's speech from Apocalypse Now, like <laughs> verbatim to him. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so true. Like, I never you always hear about celebrities like, oh, God, I go out and people recite lines to me and it's annoying. And this yeah. and that. you know, they, they give me my catch line and whatever. This guy I was going off with Marlon Brando's Apocalypse Now speech Jeez. and the look on Martin Sheen's face of like, just get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it just came across his face, and anyways, I was like, you know what, man? Here you go. And he's like, no, I, I should pay for this. I'm like, no, dude, trust me, just, just take it. I'll just lose it in inventory. I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> and anyways, it was five. The guy gave me ten bucks, and I was like, well, I'm just gonna pocket that. 
And <laughs> so, nice. so I pocketed Martin Sheen's 10 bucks, and uh, I don't know what I bought with it, but probably had beer at Mosquito Moe's later. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like, out he went and whatever. So that was uh, probably my, my big, nice. uh, my big uh, celebrity meeting at uh, Blockbuster Video. Nice. A couple of years ago, uh, quite a few years ago, and I've, I've, I've alluded to this on the podcast, but I've never told the full story. So a number of years ago, I wanted to go to the, uh, I want to say it was the Niagara Falls Comic Con because I wanted to meet my all-time idol of all time, Henry Winkler. And I was going to go down there to go to this thing. And my wife was like, no, you can't go because we're going to have a, we're going to have a garage sale that weekend. I'm like, a garage sale? What the hell are you talking about? I want to go. I want to go meet. I want to go meet Fonzie. Like Fonzie. marriage, wonderful. And then she's like, "No, no, you got to stay. We got to do this thing." So I'm really, really glad that I stayed because the eighty dollars that we made on our garage sale was so worth not meeting Fonzie. You know, so <laughs> so we did that, whatever. And then a couple of years later, he was coming to the Hamilton Comic Con, and he was going to be there with like Carol Spinney from Sesame Street. So I was like, oh, this is gonna be great. I can go down and see them both. And then it ended up that um, that Henry Winkler ended up canceling like like a week before. So, okay, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go now. I, I still wanna meet Carol Spinney, but I, I just really wanna go to meet Henry Winkler. And then like a week, week or two later, Carol Spinney died. So I was like, oh man, I really should have went. This is just not gonna happen. So I'm like, I'm never gonna meet Fonzie. And like, I mean, Henry Winkler is like in his 70s. So this is never going to happen. And then for Christmas that just passed last year, my wife gave me a virtual meeting with Henry Winkler. And so you log into this portal and you go there and Henry Winkler is there and, and you get two minutes with Henry Winkler. And I started to talk to him and he just extended the time and we ended up staying about, we probably spent about six minutes together. And instead of me asking him questions or anything, I, I spent the whole time just telling him why he's my idol. I talked about why I've always looked up to him, not just because he's Fonzie, but because I've always liked his work ethic and the fact that he loves acting and he loves theater and he's thrown himself into it and he works hard at everything he does. And so I had the opportunity to tell him that face to face and to explain how much he's meant to me over the years. And I remember at the end, I, I said, so that was my Christmas gift for my wife, being able to tell you that. And he says, no, this was a gift to me. And it was just like, it was just wonderful. And I shared that with Derek. I showed him the video and stuff. And uh, I don't have the rights to show it or to play it here on the podcast. But it was just like the best thing ever. Because if anyone has ever listened to this podcast or knows me for any length of time, you know how much I love Henry Winkler and, and how important he is to me. So that was like my absolute 100% favorite celebrity encounter that I've ever had. So anyway, on that note, what do you say we have some fun with Caveman? Last time you were here, Greg, I think we had you take a seat in the winner's circle of the $100,000 pyramid. Now, I know music is like is like your thing, right? But yep. we like to put people to the test around here. So I, I know you also like movies. You obviously, you know, with your... Yep. Your, your blockbuster background and we're all big movie nerds you know we're just probably especially me and Derek we're just nerds period but uh, what I'd like to do is put you through a, a little round of a game that we like to call rock the quote and in fact I even have a, um, a song for it and it goes a little bit like this
here's how it works. I'm going to give you a famous movie quote. And all you got to do is name the movie. And so, Greg, you're in the hot seat. But I tell you what, if you can't name the movie, Derek will be your lifeline. Okay, and he can swoop in and try and give you the answer. And I'm also what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you bonus points. If you can name who said the quote, I'll accept either the actor or the character. And, you know, since you're our guest, I'm going to go easy on you. These are all like super, super easy. Okay. Probably a good chance between the the fact that they're easy and Derek can help you out. Probably a good chance you're going to walk away with a prize tonight. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not going to be much. I mean, you're going to be playing for a DVD of Titanic 2. Oh. Bet you didn't even know that was a movie. But anyway, it is. Uh, okay. It's Titanic 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, is that the one where they save the community center? Awesome. Yeah, that's with Boogaloo <laughs> Shrimp. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. Are you ready? I give you yeah, the quote, absolutely. you name the movie, and then I'm at bonus points if you can give me the character or the actor that says it. All right, first okay. one. The price is wrong, bitch. Oh, man, that's Adam Sandler's Happy Gilmore. Bob, Bob Barker. And yeah, who said it was yeah. who? I said it was Adam Sandler, but Bob Barker said it. Oh, Adam Sandler. No. Yeah, Bob Barker said it. You're correct. Okay, next Bob one. Bob Barker said it to Adam Sandler. Yeah. yeah. Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? Oh, that's uh, from uh, Breakfast Club, and that was. Yep. And you know the actor or the character that said it? Yeah, Judd Nelson. You're going to walk away with Titanic to a DVD in no, no time. Okay, here's one. Sweet. No, nobody puts baby in a corner. God, worst line ever in a movie. Uh, that's Patrick Swayze in Dirty Dancing. All Don't right. ask me his character's name, though, man. I, I swear to God, I can't stand that movie. My girlfriend makes me watch it religiously. I still don't know his name. Johnny Castle. What's his name? Oh, Johnny that's Castle. it. Yeah. Okay, here's one. <laughs> yeah. Aloha, Mr. Hand. Oh, man, Fast Times at Richmond High, Spicoli. Yes, and it was Spicoli. Okay, here's here's a little bit of a newer one. Uh, I'm kind of a big deal. Oh, Ron Burgundy, Anchorman. Very, very good. All right, stop trying to make fetch happen. Uh, that's going to, I don't remember the character's name, but that was Lindsay Lohan in Mean Girls. Sort of. It was Rachel McAdams. Ah, oh, it was Rachel McAdams. That's right. Okay. All right. Imagine seven million people all wanting to live together. New York must be the friendliest place on earth. Derek, this one's you, man. Is I'm this uh, is this coming to America? Oh, I'm sorry. It was Crocodile Dundee. Paul oh, I knew it was one of those '80s yeah. comedies. Yeah. Okay, roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. Oh, that's Doc Brown, man, Back to the Future. There you go. All right. Just watched that this week. It was on TV. I'm oh, not well. bad. I'm just drawn that way. Oh, for some weird reason, I don't know why people get turned on by this, but Jessica Rabbit, new frame draw directed. Yes. Say hello to my little friend. Dude, greatest movie ever made. Tony Montana, Scarface. I gave her my heart. She gave me a pen. I gave her my heart. She gave me a pen. I know it if you don't. No idea. 
It's uh, Derek, Say Anything, and it was Roy Dobler. John Cusack is Lloyd Dobler. Oh, Lloyd. Pardon me, yes. All right, two more. Mickey's a mouse. Donald's a duck. Pluto's a dog. What's Goofy? I don't know. It's a movie I know where they, they sit around and they get stoned. Is it Revenge of the Nerds? No. no. It's uh, Stand By Me. Yes. Remember who said it? Ooh. Uh, was it Will was it, was it Vern? It was Will Wheaton. Yes, it was Gordy Lachance. All right, last one. That's why they call them crushes. If they were easy, they'd call them something else. I got nothing. This is all you, Greg. I do that. It sounds like a Meg Ryan line, but I'm pretty sure it's not. It's from 16 Candles. Paul Dooley is Jim Baker giving advice to Samantha. Mm. Oh, you did really yeah, good. Wow. Oh, my God. You did oh, good. Yeah. yeah. You did amazing. So you, you got enough right. And with the bonus parts that you will be getting Titanic 2. It'll be in the mail. Oh. So congratulations. Hopefully on this one, Rose lets him sit on the door. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I tell you. There's All right, so, room for two people on there. I know. I watched it a few weeks ago, huge. man. He could have got on there. What's up she was just being selfish. Oh, Greg. She was starfishing uh, on that. <laughs> I tell you. Hey, man, big thanks for joining us once again. Always, always great to have you come by. You're going to come back and join us again, right? Hey. Absolutely, man, dude. I love doing this. This is so much fun, man. I always look forward to to being invited on and having a good time. You guys are a blast. Enjoy your show and uh, enjoy being on it. So thanks for having me again. It's always a pleasure. Big honor. Thank you. Really, really great having you. Next episode, thanks Derek, for coming, it's, it's actually going to be over to you, Derek, to nominate a newer movie for us to watch. Now, you know, I don't know anything past 1989, so it's that's all uncharted territory for me. So uh, do you have a movie that you'd like, us, like me to watch, especially something that's newer? I do. And Greg, you're not allowed to make any negative comments because I know you're going to have a whole bunch of them. So, Chris, we recently did a pop culture draft for 1982 and I had to watch E.T., but that yes. was that was a last minute decision by me. That okay. was not the movie I was originally going to have you watch. Okay. Originally, I was going to ask you to watch the 1982 film from Disney Tron. Oh, yeah. Tron. Right. But I opted not to, partly because I was pretty sure you had seen it before. And I thought, you know what? E.T. was a better pick. And and I'm, I stand by that yeah, decision. It was. But I knew I was going to get a do over because I knew after we did this episode, mm -hmm. I was going to have to nominate a newer movie. Right. And in 2010, they made a sequel called oh, yeah, Tron they did, Legacy. They? Oh. And I just realized it is directed by the same guy who directed the forthcoming Top Gun sequel top gun maverick that's coming out this summer so uh not that that influences my decision to nominate this movie in any way i actually really like this sequel i think it's stunning visually i i there's a i think there's a lot to like about it i know your taste i think you're gonna hate it but i want you to watch it anyway <laughs> i will watch it and i know you have disney plus so if you yes. can find the time I will do it. I would like it if you could try to watch the original Tron okay. before you watch Tron Legacy. We won't review the original Tron on the show. We'll just to give it context. But I think right. there's enough in the sequel that are sort of little wink winks and callbacks that if you've seen the 82 version quite recently and then watched the sequel, you might get a little more out of it. And I know you have young kids, and I think they will enjoy the 1982 Tron. Maybe not so much the new one, but um, 
Anyway, that's one we'll come back right. next week and, and talk about. 2010 right. Tron Legacy. Tron Legacy. Until wait, then, wait, this uh, is Chris McBrien on behalf of myself and Derek Myers saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 